listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji Rotation 4, and this week we're going to find out about the medical training that the task group is going to be providing to Iraqi security forces and also the medical care they offer to Australians and New Zealanders deployed with the task group. And with me is Private Hannah Mills and Corporal Kat Rooney, who are both members of the health company with the task group. So first off, starting off with you, Corporal Rooney, what does your job involve? I will be posted to the ward over in Taji. Uh, we have a six bed capacity in the ward currently set up. We do have the option of going to 15 beds um, and the ability to look after 15 patients. Up to a medium dependency, any high dependency patients will go to the ICU. Because we're standing here at the barracks where we've been training over the last six weeks and we're standing outside the medical centre and you've had lots of members of the task group having to come through here to get medicals and the like. So what's your role been in that? My role has actually been as part of delivery of an Army First Aid course to some of the task group members who haven't actually managed to complete that before now. So whilst there have been a number of medics and nurses and doctors working here in the health centre providing the 14-day medicals, there's been a couple of us working to get people through their army first aid. So tell us why that's so important. Why is it that when the task group deploys, they need to have that basic medical training themselves in terms of first aid? So it's imperative that every member of the army is able to apply basic first aid. It's especially pertinent for those of us going overseas because there may not always be a medic or a CFA around if something occurs. So basic army first aid covers everything from bites and stings to fractures right through to things like your sucking chest wounds and gunshot wounds. And how do you actually train people to be able to handle those kinds of injuries when you're obviously in an artificial environment here? So we provided the members with some basic first aid lessons. So we went through PowerPoint presentations and then we did practical application of those lessons with the actual stores that we will use overseas. Now, we just saw one of your vehicles go past us just then behind us. So, Hannah, coming to you, tell us a bit about that. That was a protected mobility vehicle ambulance. So when would you use one of those vehicles with a big red cross on the side? Yep, so with my role in Taji, I'll be the evacuation medic. So I work out of the PMVAs. So we go out whenever there is an emergency case and I have all of my medical equipment in the back. So I can either take two lying casualties or one lying and four sitting. And what's it like working inside the vehicle? Because it looks like it's quite cramped. Yeah, so there's not a lot of space depending on how many casualties we have in there, but we make do with what we have and all the equipment fits nicely tucked away in its spot. So as long as I am organised, it's not too bad. And coming back to you, Corporal Rooney, I mean, you were just telling us earlier a bit about the, the first aid that you've been offering here. Tell us also about the, the field hospital you'll have set up on site, because again, you're having to work sometimes in quite challenging conditions. The Roll2 Echo over in Taji consists of two parts. There is a building component and there also is a weather haven component, which are the tents that we work out of here in Australia when we're on exercise. The weather haven houses the operating theatre and the storerooms associated with that and also the ICU. Within the building we have the 
hospital headquarters and all the administration side of things. We have the ward and we have the allied health personnel working in there as well. And what's your role then when you're working in that hospital environment? So I will be based in the ward looking after any patients that we have come through. So the patients that we'll have in the ward will be low dependency up to medium dependency and essentially just ensuring patient comfort, monitoring their vital signs, just the usual things that we would do for a patient in the ward. Most of the conditions that we'll be dealing with is the sorts of things that happen here in Australia. So stomach bugs, coughs and colds, that sort of thing. So essentially members who aren't well enough to go out with the training units and just require a bit of extra help to get back on their feet. I've heard this term that's used by health personnel of, of coughs, colds and sore holes. Is that a good way of perhaps summarising it? Yeah, I suppose so. We do have our primary health care team going over as well, so they will be um, the forefront of the coughs, colds and sore holes side of things and anyone who they deem too unwell to go back out with the, the training units will come to us in the ward. And on a more serious note, though, you have to be ready to deal with perhaps more serious injuries as well, don't you? And certainly during the last six weeks of this exercise, getting us ready to deploy to Iraq, there's all kinds of more serious scenarios that you've been practising. Absolutely. We have the Kiwis going over with us as the resus team. They will work in conjunction with our evacuation medics. If they bring back a patient who requires resus, they'll go into that resus bay and then the entire hospital comes together to, to work for that patient or those patients to ensure that they get the best care possible, whether it be going to the operating theatre, to the ICU or coming to us in the wards. And tell us a bit more about some of the equipment that you're using then. I mean, it's quite high tech, isn't it? The kinds of equipment that you would see in, in a hospital that's not in an army environment. Absolutely. We have all the equipment necessary for patient care. So we are able to monitor patients. We're able to do all sorts of blood tests, urine samples, all that sort of thing. Uh, anything that you see in a hospital ward normally, we have the equivalent over there in Taji. Coming back to you, Private Mills, yesterday we were out on the range. Someone was taken ill as part of the exercise. It was a simulated illness. It wasn't for real. And then I remember the protected mobility vehicle ambulance coming along, picking them up and taking them off. So can you just talk us through what happens from your perspective as an evacuation medic? Yeah, so with that situation, I got a nine-liner and a mist for that casualty. I then met up with our quick response force and they took me out there to receive the casualty. I then got a handover from the treater and I then got the casualty into my ambulance and treated on the way back. We brought them back to the Roll 2 Echo and handed that patient onwards to the resus team. Now for people outside of Army, we might have to translate a few of the terms there. So you started off, you mentioned a nine-liner and a mist. So, so what are they? So the nine-liner basically tells me where the casualty is, how many they are and who they are. Then the mist tells me what has happened to them, what's been done and how they are in the current state. So effectively they're kind of pieces of paper where you're recording very specific information so you can pass it on quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So we summarise it all down so we can give the quick brief handover of what's happening. And then you mentioned that once you've got the casualty, you then have to take them to the Roll 2 Echo. So again, for people outside of the Army, how would you explain that? So I get them into my ambulance and then I treat them on the way as what I deem necessary. And when I hand them over to the hospital in Taji and to their resus team and the doctor then takes care over. So the Roll 2 Echo, it's the hospital. That's essentially what it is. Yeah, so my, all my casualties will end up at the hospital.
So when you're trying to treat that casualty in the back of the ambulance on the way to the field hospital, what's going through your mind? I mean, there must be this checklist of things that you're having to do. Yeah, so there's a thousand things running through my mind at once, but that's why we do all this lead-up training, so I am prepared for worst-case scenario. I have all my gear set out how I work and just go from there. What has been a key learning for you then in terms of developing your skills ready to deploy? Uh, so just having my gear in order and also having my team understand the way I work. So that's my driver and co-driver. So they've come together really good as a team and they, we all work together. Coming back to you, Corporal Rooney, tell us about your background and how you came to have the role that you have today as a medic in the Army who's ready to deploy. I've actually been in the Army for quite a number of years. Uh, prior to transferring to become a medic, I was a psych examiner. and. After being posted to the hospital at Pakapanyal Health Centre, I decided that I wanted to become a medic. And do you enjoy it? Do you like your job? I love being a medic. It's a very rewarding job and I've done a number of different roles in the past 18 months as part of my job as a medic. So it's always changing, it's always variable. We're constantly learning new things and constantly upskilling and training. Why do you like being a medic? What is it about that job that really appeals to you? I enjoy providing healthcare to our soldiers and looking after our people, essentially. And what about for you, uh, Hannah, Private Mills? Uh, what brought you to this job? So I joined just out of high school, actually, straight into the medical corps. And after I finished my medical training, I posted into the 2nd General Health Battalion as well. I got attached to our Australian Shock Trauma Platoon and that really made me realise I love what I do and I work with a good team. Yeah. Shock trauma platoon, that sounds pretty full on. Yeah, so it's kind of like an advanced resource team as well. We have a light surgical team attached so we can do minor surgical things in the field. What kinds of cases have you had to deal with then as part of your experience so far? So far there's been a lot of exercise, so simulation work, as well as we provide primary health care to those in the field. I have also had experience with a few minor resources. Yeah, those have actually made me realise that we do provide that first forward health care in the field. Now we're coming up to the farewell parade just in a few days and that'll be an opportunity for everyone in the task group to say farewell to friends and family before we all go overseas. What's that going to mean for you, Corporal Rooney? Because you've got family back in Australia here, haven't you? I do. I have a young son who is 12. Um, he's currently in the care of my father. I'm a single parent, so they won't actually be coming up for the farewell parade, unfortunately. Uh, they're based in Brisbane and my son is still in school at the moment, so they are unable to make it. But at the completion of this parade, I get to go home on leave and get to spend some time with them before I head over. There's a number of mothers in the task group, in fact, so I know you're not alone. But for you to make that decision to go overseas with your son at home, was that a difficult decision for you? Yes and no. Um, as I said, I've been in the army for quite some time and over the years I've made a number of sacrifices to look after my son and his well-being. Uh, my dad moved in with me around about this time last year in order to help me out with my son so that I could have opportunities like this, which has been fantastic. I couldn't do it without him. I've uh, been on a number of exercises. I've managed to finally get around to doing my promotion courses and have been promoted as a result, which is fantastic. So 
whilst it is hard leaving my son behind, it's also really exciting that I finally get to go away and do my job overseas. And what does he make the fact that his mum is, is going to deploy? <laughs> uh, he's a typical 12-year-old boy, so I'm not really sure what he makes of anything. <laughs> I'm sure he's very proud of you. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. And what about for you, Hannah? Do you have a family at home that you'll be leaving while you're away? Uh, so I have my parents, which are obviously very proud of myself. I do have a brother in the military as well, and he'll be at the farewell parade to send me off, and he's also very excited and proud that I get to take this opportunity. Private Hannah Mills and Corporal Cat Rooney, thank you both very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Task Group Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.